I got to be honest with you this morning, uh, for the last maybe month or so, I was a little worried that I'd show up here this morning with Dana and the, the AV team and the worship team, and there would just be a sea of empty seats. So give yourself a round of applause for being here this morning. You've made me feel a little bit better at least. I hope you had a wonderful uh, New Year's Eve last night, and I'm, I'm glad you're here. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Nate Rice, and I've been here for the past three and a half years at Bell Press working with middle school students. And uh, I love working with middle school students and our family life ministry team. Prior to that, uh, I was working down in Southern California at a little place called Forest Home, uh, which is a camp. And I was a camp director there for about 10 years. And uh, I grew up in uh, San Diego area and moved to Los Angeles. It's a little bit about me. Um, I have an amazing family I want to tell you about really quick. My wife, Tamara, we've been married coming up this coming uh, Saturday, so the 7th, we all, we all have been married for 22 years. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, yes, so uh, my, my daughter, her name is Maddie. She is a freshman. Uh, she is wonderful, and I hope you get a chance to meet her. She's been up here a few times helping me out with things. Uh, and my son, Nick, is a senior in high school. And I don't know if you have uh, seniors in your house before or have had seniors uh, already, but uh, Nick has been promising me, promising me that he doesn't have a severe case of senioritis, which is basically like slacking off your last year of your, of your high school year. Um, my wife's New Year's resolution for Nick in some ways, for her and for Nick, is that she will teach him to cook more than just top ramen and coffee before he leaves this next year off to school. So uh, I've, I've taught him how to cook a burger, so I've, I've taught him the important things in life, all right? Um, did anybody make a New Year's resolution last night? Just raise your hand if you made a New Year's resolution. Okay, a few of you. Some of you are like, I don't even do that kind of stuff anymore. Maybe you've already broken your New Year's resolution. Did you ever do that once where you decided you were going to make a New Year's resolution and then literally within the next 24 hours, you're already cheating in some way. Maybe it was like this was the year that you were going to, a big one is always like, I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to exercise. And like on the way to church this morning, you stopped by and you grabbed a donut, right? I mean, it's just sometimes challenging to stick with these New Year's resolutions. Um, I made a New Year's resolution, actually I've made this about a month ago. Um, I decided that I needed to get my glasses, uh, the prescription changed on these things. It's been about a year and a half since I went and got a prescription, so I decided uh, I need to get these things checked um, because, you know, instantly improved vision, that's always a really good thing. So I need to get my, my glasses checked. I can remember the first time, though, that I recognized that I needed to get glasses. I was in college, and I was sitting in one of my uh, classrooms, and the professor, just out of the blue, calls out my name. He says, Mr. Rice. I froze. I was in that, like, you know, total panic mode. Did I miss the question that he was asking? He finally broke the silence, asking if I left my glasses back in my room. I was pretty confused by the question, um, but I confidently just replied to him, I don't wear glasses. I was maybe a little bit too cocky as well, um, but just kind of said that. He quickly stated, well, you might want to tell that to your eyes because you've been squinting at the screen the entire morning. It was at that point that 
I, I realized I need to go and do something about this. So I set up an appointment. Uh, I went to the, the optometrist uh, about a week later to get, uh, get ready for some new glasses. And that's when I first encountered the Phoropter. Now, I'm going to show you a picture of the Phoropter. Uh, that thing is creepy looking, I agree. Sorry if anybody in here is an optometrist, but if you've ever worn glasses, chances are you've gone and you've, you've had to look through the Phoropter. It's an imposing looking device, like space-aged visors, but are really just a smart way to quickly determine the exact vision correction we need for our eyes. By having you look through the phoropter at a visual reference, typically it's like a letter of the alphabet or a symbol, the eye doctor can quickly correct your vision. The phoropter is full of different lenses, and when the correct lenses are moved into place, Voila, clear vision. At least that's what it was for me. I could remember that moment very well when I finally could see again. It was like magic. With the right lenses, I could see perfectly. For so long, I wasn't even fully aware that I couldn't see. I kind of look back on that and I think, how long had I been going to class and doing all these things where I was squinting, but now I didn't have to squint in order to see clearly? It was like a new world was opened up to me. And there was no way I was going back to that without glasses or contact lenses. In the book of Acts, we read about Saul, who had his vision dramatically changed. Saul, who would later become known as Paul, is described as ravaging the church and persecuting Christians. Paul is most likely motivated to persecute Christians because he believes that the teachings of Jesus, that they're heretical. He had grown up, as almost all Jewish boys had done at the time, learning about the coming Messiah as a powerful figure who would bring more of a political or national salvation. A lot like King David. Jesus just simply didn't fit the image that Paul had of Messiah in his head. We just celebrated Christmas, where we were reminded that Jesus didn't come as a warrior. He came as a baby. He did not have political authority. He did not come with an army or a crown on his head. The idea that Jesus was Messiah was absurd to somebody like Paul, especially since Jesus had now been crucified as a criminal. Paul most likely saw through his lens what he was doing was righteous. Through his lens, he saw rumors of Christ's resurrection as lies spread by fanatical followers. But that all changed when he had a face-to-face -face encounter with the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he was actually blinded, his vision being taken away from him for a short period of time. In a way, Paul was given new eyes and a new perspective on things. Seeing the resurrected Lord changed how Paul saw Jesus and the world around him. Paul now saw Jesus as Savior, not his enemy. He was now aware of a new way to live that Jesus was showing him. Like Paul, I believe Jesus has the power to dramatically change you and I. 
He gives us new eyes and a new way of seeing him, ourselves, and others. When we see that Jesus is actually our Savior, the one who cares for us and loves us and is on our side, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, we are finally beginning to see Jesus clearly. So maybe the starting question I have for you this morning is, how do you see Jesus? What is your view of Jesus? Maybe today at the start of this new year, you could take a few minutes to consider the lens in which you see Jesus. Do you see Jesus as the Messiah who came to make all things new to show us and give us a way of life and understanding of who we really are? Or do you have a lesser view of Jesus? Maybe that he was just a good man among a lot of really good men and women who have come and gone throughout the centuries. Whose lens do you see things through? When you are looking through the Jesus lens, everything, in my opinion, becomes way more clear. I believe that when we truly see things through the Jesus lens, we can see not just Jesus more clearly, but we can also see ourselves more clearly. The scripture reading for today, Paul is reminding the Corinthians and us that we are seen as new creations. I love this passage, and if you haven't taken the time to to really look at this, I encourage you maybe even after today's message to, to go back and read through it. It's full of good news. But it says, therefore, if anyone in Christ Uh, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. And listen to this right here. The old has gone and the new is here. This is a reminder of who we once were and who we are now. I love that. That is wonderful news. New Year's is often a time when we step back and evaluate who we are and who we are becoming. Today, I want to challenge each of us to be sure we haven't set, uh, set the Jesus lens aside when we look at ourselves and we do some self-examination. Maybe when you first became a Christian, you lived as if you were a new creation and you understood your identity in Christ, but over time, that has changed. Maybe you've misplaced your glasses, so to speak. And maybe you've become accustomed with pretending that you can still see, acting one way at church, but living out another at home, at school, at work, online, wherever you are. Are you pretending? I mentioned earlier that I grew up in San Diego. And uh, this is like a pretty hard thing to admit when you're in a room full of diehard Seattle Seahawks fans. But I was a diehard, I am a diehard San Diego Chargers fan. Okay, yeah, I can feel you guys getting a little bit, okay, just back off a bit. Call it a curse, but I consider it a blessing. Uh, The Chargers have repeatedly taught me the meaning of humility, Um, especially this year, ouch. Uh, But I will say this, and you might think it's a fluke, but it's not, and I'll tell you why. I had a backup team starting when I was in about 10th grade, and that backup team was the Seattle Seahawks. This fandom solidified itself on January 31st, 1988, 
when 15-year-old me and my family was visited by two NFL superstars. You see, that date, the Super Bowl was being held in my hometown, San Diego. And there were tons of uh, like NFL stars and reporters and coaches from every team that had come to participate in like press junkets and everything else during that time. One of my father's co-workers brought his friends, his two friends, Steve Largent and Jim Zorn, uh, two of the like most famous, I think, Seattle Seahawks players of all time, to our home to watch the first half of the Super Bowl. Now, a little background here, okay? I was a volleyball player my sophomore year of high school, okay? You look at me now and you probably think, yes, volleyball player, <laughs> right? <laughs> Don't imagine it because our uniforms were very different than football. Uh, they were uh, short shorts, right? Again, keep that out, image out of your mind. Um, but it was, uh, there was very, very little running that went on. So again, another reason that I love the sport. But honestly, most important to me was volleyball was a really safe sport. There was no chance that I was going to be hit by somebody. Um, so I chose this sport. My friends played this sport. And, uh, and I never played football. It wasn't even on my radar, um, even though I was repeatedly pestered by our high school coach who was like, you're big, you need to play football. Um, I just loved volleyball. Yet... I absolutely loved and watched football all the time and knew exactly who Steve Largent and Jim Zorn were. Their arrival was a surprise to me. I can still remember when they walked into our family room. It was like I was in this hazy dream and everything started to move in slow motion. I can only remember bits and pieces but I do remember the moment that Steve Largent started moving towards me and I started moving towards him to shake hands and I put out my hand and I said these words. I like football. <laughs> really? Like not, it's nice to meet you, sir, or congrats on winning the division this year. No, it was, I like football. I'm pretty sure to this day they thought that kid was a caveman. I don't know what was going on in my brain, um, I was just starstruck, whatever it was. My father recalls that I did become somewhat talkative. And I told them how I played football and was trying out for the varsity team next year, none of which was true. I'm pretty sure my voice even dropped a few octaves lower so that I sounded more manly, right? I turned into a football poser. Hmm. I was trying to say and do things that impressed these two football legends, but the reality was that I was just acting. I was a poser, a faker, a wannabe. I never did try out for football or even think twice about it. There was no way I was going to go through with that. I'm wondering, I pretended in that moment. Do we pretend? Are there those who do an amazing, those of you, us, who do an amazing job of talking the spiritual talk, but not walking that faithful walk? Have we become posers, fakers, wannabes when it comes to our faith in Christ? Are you pretending? When we see ourselves through the Jesus lens and who we were created to be, everything, everything is impacted. The way we worship the way we pray to God, and the way we act, interact with other people. 
Through the Jesus lens, we can see not just ourselves, not just Jesus, but we can see others more clearly. We begin to see his mission for us. Throughout the gospel, Jesus was always inviting people to follow his way and to see things through his perspective, through a new lens, which often seems contrary to what we think we should do. Jesus was in a way, he was turning things regularly upside down. And I guess for him, they were right side up. For example, Jesus said, the first will be last and the last will be first. Well, that's not really how we see things, is it? We see the first will be first, and the last will be last. Jesus wants us to see things differently, to turn the other cheek, to love your enemies, and to pray for those who persecute you. He told stories like the one of the prodigal son and the good Samaritan, which turns traditional thinking on its head. In one sense, Jesus' way even seems counterintuitive that we find our life by losing our life. At first, this just seems crazy. That is, until we begin to understand and believe that God's ways, while not our ways, they lead to life. In recent sermons, Scott has talked about how sometimes God's ways confound us. They annoy us because they're not our ways. His love is bigger, his mercy is wider, his forgiveness is mind-blowing to us as humans. And this new way of seeing things was so important to God that he sent Jesus to help us see things more clearly. The Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. Have you ever thought about how many of those have to do with how we treat others? Do you live and interact with others each day in a new, as new creation that you are? There's a second part to this as well. A very specific aspect to our roles as new creations. We are to be ambassadors of reconciliation and healing. And our own vision can get in the way of that as well. Paul continues in 2 Corinthians 5 to write, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us, let me say that again, he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. The word reconciliation here, it has to do with healing, restoring, bringing together again. We are invited to be ambassadors of healing to the people around us. This includes even our own family, our moms, our dads, our brothers, our sisters, friends, coworkers, teachers, everyone. This is a big deal. Well, Press, we spent much of the fall talking about ways that we can live out our call as ambassadors of healing and reconciliation. In other words, what are the ways that we can mend broken relationships and bring healing? Literally, that was the question that we asked at Advent this year. And as you can see, this topic is an important one. And my hope in talking about it again today is that maybe some of you have been holding off for whatever reason. 
you haven't decided to put that into practice yet. I'm guessing all of us have some relationship that needs a bit of mending right now. Allow Jesus to be your guide as you move towards healing in your relationships. One of my absolute heroes is the late Henrietta Mears, who wrote this. She said this, Have unlimited vision under God. Have enthusiasm and faith in what God can do. Without this vision, you will become discouraged with the situation at hand. With it, you will know that with God, all things are possible. Beginning with things as they are and having the vision of what God can do, you will make an unbeatable team. I love that idea. It's it's us and God. It's you and God, an unbeatable team the visionary and the author of our faith. As we kind of move towards the end here today, I'd like to simply show a little video that I saw. Maybe you've seen it online. But I love this video because I think it actually kind of shows in a nutshell what I'm talking about today, what it can look like when we actually put on these new lenses and we begin to see things, not just things, we begin to see Jesus, we begin to see ourselves and others through the Jesus lens. Hi. Hi, Piper. How are you? Hi, can you see? Can you see? Yeah. Hi, Penny. Piper. Hi. Hi, Can you see? <laughs> I think she can. (laughs) (laughs) That was the first time, apparently, that Piper had worn those glasses. And I love seeing her reaction to her parents. It was that huge smile. Such joy in that little face. It's priceless. Like Piper, you and I have been given new vision. This should put a huge smile on your face. But ask yourself, who are you living for? Your own needs, your own desires, or are you living to the surrendered God and his plans for you? No matter how inconvenient they are, do you see your faith as something to be mastered or memorized? Or is it a life-altering encounter with a holy God to be lived out and experienced, not once or twice a year, but every single day as you interact with others. This time of year, I think, can get a little bit messy. Maybe in some of those family relationships that you had when you went to visit somebody, or maybe it's just at home, maybe you said something across the dinner table or at a family reunion to, you know, an uncle or a parent or your siblings, and you regret saying what you said. Do you need to take steps towards reconciliation and healing towards a loved one, living out Christ's love? Or maybe it's how you treat people that you don't even know. Do you see the person in front of you at the checkout stand at the grocery store as the slowpoke with way too many coupons and an undisciplined toddler? Or do you see them as a child of God who might be having a pretty hard day and could use a smile and an act of kindness, graciousness in the middle of their stress. 
This is a hard one. But it's one that I'm actually personally working on. Um, my, I, I mentioned that getting new glasses is a real new, new Year's resolution. It's on my to-do list. But honestly, this is a big one for me. It's the people that I don't know. It's easy to, to see you and to interact with you and to say hi and to smile and to be kind and to do that with my friends and family, but it's the people I don't know that might get in the way of my busyness. How do we treat others? Do we show them the love of Christ? Do we see them with new eyes? My hope and prayer for all of us this new year that we'll wake up each morning, so to speak, and and put our glasses on, that, that we'll see the world through the Jesus lens, that we'll invite the Holy Spirit to help us see how we can live out our mission of being ambassadors of healing and bringing reconciliation to this world. So today, may you truly know the joy of wearing new glasses. May you recognize that as new creations, this means we have been given a new way of seeing new and fresh eyes. May we see Jesus' mission for our lives clearly as his ambassadors of reconciliation, knowing that God is with us each and every step of the way. Would you pray with me? Grateful, gracious Father, I am so grateful for what you have done in my life and how you have made me a new creation. And I'm grateful for my friends here this morning, Father, who have stepped into this lifelong relationship with you. My hope and my prayer is, Father, that as we consider what it looks like to see you, to see others, to see ourselves through your lens, that we will take a moment to examine where we are. Do we still smile, really big smiles, when we see you clearly? Do we take the time to slow our lives down a bit so that we can see other people and love them the way that you love us? Father, my prayer and my hope for each one of us today is that we will start this new year with new glasses, with a new way of seeing. Father, we love you. We thank you for everything you've done and everything you continue to do in our lives. It's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen.